happening in Canberra. We're just thinking about this today. Not that I planned it. It was God who knew what was going on in Canberra and the reading was given to me two or three weeks ago and man, it just fitted. Isn't it amazing? That is our God who's right up to date, right here on the ground floor with you and I. So as we look at the screen, we're looking at where you are, walking with God in Brisbane. You're not even in that picture, but probably you were sometime during this last week or more. So we're thinking about walking with Jesus in Brisbane. He's walking with us right here in this church every moment of our life. And we're going to think about this passage. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And do you know what? Isn't that wonderful? The songs that Bridget planned, I'm stunned. You know, they were just perfect. It's almost as though you read the passage of Scripture, you know, and you really got the songs perfectly fitted in, and they were just fantastic. They really glorified Christ, because that's what we're here for. And so let's ponder this together. First of all, we're looking at where in Jerusalem. Can we have the next slide? Now, in the game of life, we seek to gain a crown that will last forever. That was the end of the sermon last week that Mark was here speaking on this whole passage of chapter 9. And here it is. This is what leads us right into chapter 10. So here we see this in the game of life. You and I are all seeking a crown that will last forever. But let's have a look at the next bit on the left here, the race of life. Could you give us a click there? There it is. The world completes for a temporary crown. And that's exactly what was happening in Canberra. Is that right? Too right it is. And you and I know this. So this is where that is the world. But it's only temporary. It's not going to last forever. I don't know how long the next Prime Minister's got before he gets a knife in the back. You know, this is life in Australia. And now, what's on the other side? Believers compete for an eternal crown. Do you know what? Written on your heart, right there, every one of us in this audience have got the desire to be king. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah, true. True, it is true. It's written there. We know. We want to be the boss. Okay, your little child, this big, gets this way and he wants to take over. Is that right? Yeah. All, parents, all parents know that. And this is life. And you see, God planned for you and I to reign with him in heaven where we will sit on his throne with him. And it's staggering. Honestly, we're hopeless. We're sinful. We don't know what we're doing. And yet God put that desire in our heart. If we just think, this is where it is, in this world where we are today, this is where I want to be king here, and God says, hang on, hang on, I've still got a long track to go. Down the track. And that's where it'll come to conclusion. So this is what we're thinking of, this battle. Okay, there it is, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 33. Let us wander with God and the Jews through the desert. Okay, you might need a water bottle on this track, you know, it's one of those things. It's hot and it's difficult. 
Now, we're going to go with them because this is what this passage is talking about. Okay, let's go on. So here we have the next passage. God freed the Jews from slavery in Egypt. Now, was it fun being a slave in Egypt? No way. It was painful. They had to work for the Egyptians. They had to build buildings and all of that. And I bet they never got a pay rise. They never got anything like that. It was difficult, very difficult, and grow their own food, look after themselves, and they had a very difficult time. But they cried in prayer, and God raised up Moses to release them. So they were set free, the chains were broken, but what for? To be the servants of God? Not to be kings on this earth. We're created to be servants, to love every other person in this world. That's the whole pattern of God's plan, that we may fulfill the deepest longing of our being to serve others. That's what his goal is. Okay, let's look on. What goes on next? This is the whole plan, overview of the plot. So down from Egypt, God had a plan that they should go off to Canaan, to the promised land, and that's where it'd be. But something happened along the way. Okay, could you click the next thing? There it is, the course of unbelief, the journey. Now, we go back. The journey to Canaan took 40 years. Now, that's a heck of a long walk, isn't it? Have you ever walked for 40 years? No way. None of us ever done anything like that. And this is just staggering what was going on. But let's look at it. They headed off down around, back and forth, all over the countryside, and it wasn't a pretty time, simply because they didn't listen to God. They had their plan. What are we going to do? Our great future, what I want to do. And God says, hang on, I'm the boss. I'm the one in control here. I am organizing this. So you do it my way and you will be filled with joy, overflowing joy. Okay, let's go on and have a look what comes next. God is faithful. That's what this passage actually talks about. And he's loving in everything he does and he led them through the desert. Not that that's God out there. That's Moses out front leading them through the desert. But God had a problem. Forty years in the desert. Okay, let's ask Claire. Claire, if you were given the job of feeding two million people in the desert, would you give up straight away? Too right. It's too big. But God had a fantastic program and he arranged manna from heaven. Now, they say they found some of that over there. It's actually something that's part of that environment. I don't know. God knows. But he arranged a food supply 24-7. Wait a minute. Not on the seventh day. Is that right? Yeah, not on the seventh day, but at least adequate for all their needs. You know, God is fantastic. He meets your every need every day of your life, wherever it is. I was in the bush in Papua New Guinea, and we had no food. We sent a guy out with a shotgun and cartridges. You go out and get a deer and we'll eat lovely venison. He came back empty-handed. And there we sat on the bank of the river saying, God, we've got no tucker. Yeah, what are we going to do? And suddenly a canoe from the other side of the river paddled over to us. Ah, oh, it's my friend Japari. Hello, Japari, what's up? He said, I thought you might like some food. And he gave us sweet potatoes. Isn't this amazing? That is our God. 
He meets every one of your needs every moment of the day knowing exactly what you need and he provides it his plan, not our plan. Because what did these people do? All the way along this track, they kept on complaining, I want onions, I want leeks, I want cucumbers, I want melons, I want garlic. That's what they said. It's there written in the Bible. Complaining, non-stop. We like to run things our way. Is that right? You're right. Okay, let's go on. And here we come. There in the middle of the wilderness, now this is the picture I dug up from the internet. It may be the stone that was broken by uh, Moses. We don't know. It's just something in the desert, and they say, that's the stone. God knows. I don't. But up there, God lovingly led them, and they said, we've run out of water. We've got nothing. So he struck the rod, a rock because God told him to do that. And out poured water. Unbelievable. You don't get water over a rock, don't you? Never. But that's how it happened. But I want us to look at this passage of Scripture now. It's amazing what it says here. And while I get my glasses on, we're going to have a look at what God actually said here. Now, so I'm turning up chapter 10, and this is, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. Christ wasn't a rolling stone rolling through the desert, providing water all along the way. He was there walking with them in the tough walk through the desert, providing every one of their needs. Now, he is walking with you every moment of your life providing your needs right through that life that you're living, whatever it is, the difficulties in your relationship at work or in education, whatever it is, God is walking with you. And that's what it said. He was walking with them. In other words, they could never say to their God, you don't know what I'm suffering. God knows what we're going through. No matter how tough it is, he's right there with you. And he was the one providing the water. And actually, you find in the New Testament, God's living water and you drink it and you will never thirst again. He went on to talk about that. And there he was providing every one of their needs. Okay, let's go on with the next part of the story. God is the king of the universe. Now let's think of this for a moment. God is a million times greater than the universe. How big is the universe, Jeff? I do not know. You do not know? The scientists don't know. Nobody knows. It's huge. We can never find the end of the universe, and yet God is a million times greater than that. You look at how tiny we are and how big God is. There's nothing he cannot do. Is that right? Too right it is. You know this. So here we are. He is the king of the universe. But what's the next click? But the Jews were tempted to try to be king and do their own thing. Now, this is the major temptation of your life, my life. I want to be king. I want to run it my way. And we all think we know. There's been quite a few politicians in Canberra thinking that of late, isn't there? 
and it's going to go on non-stop. And this is man. This is humanity. If only they would see God is the only king and we are to follow him. He knows what you need. Everything you're going through is right there with you in the midst of your suffering, your emptiness, the troubles you have. He's right there. Okay, let's go on and have a look. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, this is the crown and this is what we think we are. We think we're king. But God says, sorry, I've already got the job before you did. <laughs> and this is his permanent job. Okay, will not God, the judge of the earth, do what is right? Notice that. That's a statement in Scripture. He is judge. He always does things right. He doesn't make mistakes. Isn't that amazing? I make mistakes galore or breed every day of my life. And I've got a faint suspicion you do too. And this is where we live in this area of this whole matter of following him and the Jews came up. God loves us greatly, but notice this, with a godly jealousy. He wants the utter best for you and I. Notice that. But are we going to do it our way or his way? He loves you. He really does. Okay, let's go on and have a look. They grumbled against God was always good and loving. I want leeks, I want onions, I want, you know, garlic, whatever it is. They're always complaining. Sorry, but are you one of that mob? <laughs> I am too. So we all in this. God is the righteous judge. So what happened? Thank you. Very sad, but 23,000 died. Thousands died from snakes because they bucked the system. God is the loving boss. He's got it all organised for you. But in his righteousness, he judged them. They clashed with him. They wanted to be king. And he says, you're not even a king's bootlace. And this is where man suffers. Okay, the next case of the day. They came to this Mount Sinai. This is where God had planned to give them the law. And it was wonderful. But they played immoral games. So God stepped in and that's where the 23,000 died. But notice this, you and I are slaves to our feelings. Have you ever noticed this? What I like to do, I will do. Is that right? We always find a time to do what we want to do, you know, that piece of music we want to listen to or this food we want to eat. It's there in us. We are slaves to our feelings. And by the way, feelings are the biggest liars in this world. They lead us astray. But let's look at this. There they get there. Having a great time, let Moses go up mountain climbing and we will look after ourselves. And they got totally messed up and God's judgment fell. Okay, the next one. They made, and God, the Jews worshipped an idol. Stab God in the back and replace him with something else. Something that we can control, you know, that type of thing. And every one of us have got those type of idols in our life. I can do it, I control it, and therefore that's what I did. And God let God fly his anger against them there. Let's have a look at the rest of that at the bottom of the journey. Flee from idols, God says in this chapter, and there they got it all messed up, and God's judgment fell upon them. God is not playing games. He's got eternity in mind, and he wants you to be there with him forever. And isn't it wonderful? 
he is perfect love and he wants to pour out his love in a greater way in the future, not so much here on this earth as in there. That's what he's aiming at. Okay, let's go on to the next part. Here you have, they tremble before God's holiness. That's what it says in the Bible. Suddenly they were confronted with the holiness of God, totally righteous, and they were stunned, amazed. There he is in all his beauty and holiness, and we're just the opposite. And God's judgment. So here's the summary of the judgment. Many were sexually immoral and 23 died in one day. Many complained against God and snakes killed them. Okay, many grumbled against God and an angel killed them. That's the summary of life in the desert. They got upset with things and they're going to fight with God. I'm very sorry, when you take on God, you can't. When I was a little boy, I clashed with my father and I outsmarted him. I climbed the guava tree in our backyard. And there I sat at the top, everyone telling me to get down and I'm sitting up there enjoying my freedom, my independence. But it comes to a time when the crunch has got to come, you've got to come down. You can't sleep at the top of a tree. And this is us as human beings. We all know it, we've all got our stories. This is life. Okay, let's go on and have a look what happened after this because the Jews did not obey God so they roamed in the desert for 40 years. And sometimes you are going through a wilderness experience where God wants to show you the way, but you've still got your own mind, and God just takes his time. He knows what's going on, and he's got it all planned out to work with you, to transform you into Christ-likeness. Okay, let's look what happened in the desert there. Okay, God did not give up on them. You notice this? He never gives up on you. He created you and he's got a plan for you. He never gives up on you. He keeps working. And when you think of it, Jack, you know, God had never gave up on you. Is that right? That's right. Yep, you've been telling me. So this is where it is going on in our life. And Jesus accompanied them all the way right through the desert. No matter what they faced in life, he was right there with them in the desert. Okay, let's go on to the next thing because we now come to what Paul is really talking about. I've just given you the illustration. Here we see he's talking to them about the city of Corinth where they live. Man, this city was loaded with God. They're all down the side streets, all of them. Statues, there's a lot of them. And they had to worship them. They had one for the rain, they had one for food, they had a God for this and a God for that. There were literally thousands of them. And it was always a very evil city. And the Christian church has got to live in that environment. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. But they had to struggle with it. And actually, they weren't winning. But you notice that little phrase up there? God loved them intensely. And this is what he does. He knows what you're going through. And he's right there loving you with all of his being. But his love is always righteous love. Okay, let's go on. Here we are. Jesus was walking with us daily in a world that wants to dethrone him. Is that right? Yes, very true. The government, you know, politician, once a person gets to the top, some great person made a statement about the complete power corrupts. Is that the word? 
Yeah, it's a word that, and this is what happens. Once you get to the top, you forget about God. I'm God now. And that's where they crumble. And this is what was happening. Are we relying on idols? And this is the great problem. This is the great cement of humanity. We create substitutes, images, things that, are things that we can trust in. But it may not work. We create ritual that we can worship in. And then we create fantasies. But you know what? All of these are scams of Satan. He puts them all before you and says, you follow this way and it'll be great. And you all end up with a big zero. Does not work. We follow our idols. They're powerless. Let's look at the next statement there on the board. The most powerful idol is self. This is the God we generally worship. I want what I want, and I will do what I want. And I'm sorry, but it does not going to work. Following our feelings, they do not work, and they lead us astray. Always remember, in my young life as a teenager, I met this most beautiful girl, wonderful girl. We're both in Bible college. She's the ideal girl that I should marry. And I've planned it all. This is what God wants me to do. My feelings said it. What did she do? She ended up marrying my best mate. <laughs> and this is where you find out life, you know, we get feelings. They can lead us up the garden path. It's God who's got the perfect plan for us. And this is where you find that out in life. It's the training ground. Okay, let's go on and see what happens. Who is the same? This is the same temptation. Who's going to be king in my life? Jesus or myself? And this is where struggle we've got. I'd like to put this on and I'd like to do what everything I want. But sorry, it's not going to work. You know, this is humanity. This is us. Let's face it. God has got a better plan than we ever have. But let's look at what else we're going to say here. The Christians in this city were free, set free by Jesus, but some wanted to still do their own thing. I'll do what Jesus did. I'll come to church on Sunday, but Monday I'll go and do my thing. God says, hang on, I'm running this show, not you. I want the best for you. If you run along following your own ideas, you'll end up in a dead-end street. And this is what God is clearly saying to us. Okay, let's go on and have a look. God is graciously generous. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you know what? Isn't it amazing? The land you live on that you've probably got a title to is not yours. <coughs> Very sorry about this. I've got a block of land, and it's mine. But God says, you're just a tenant on my land. And this is what he says here. We're only temporary tenants here. We're going to die. And someone else is going to get that land. Our children are going to move on. But God is generous. He's prepared for us a palace in heaven. That's what he's got. He covers every base, whatever he's planning for you. He's got it right there. Notice this. So be thankful. God is meeting all of your needs and this is where we submit to him and thank him for all that he's doing. Okay, let's go on and have a look what else is. Jesus said these words, I am come that you might have life to the full. Not only a little bit, but full life with him walking day by day in Brisbane, walking where you are at your workplace, in your family, 
in your home, in your environment, in your school, or wherever it is. He's got it organized. And he wants you to live that life fully trusting in him, knowing his empowerment, knowing his love, to actually accomplish his goal, which will last forever. Okay, let's look at the next part. And as we see it, this church had a major problem with idols. There was the big street, uh, uh, Greek idol system there, and this is one of the temples, and this is what he was doing. They were mixing up worship in the temple. They put on the most beautiful lamb there, beautifully cooked lamb, and we will go there and join with them and have a wonderful time eating this. They got it all mixed up. God says, this is where you are to love the world, but you're not to get mixed up with it. And this is where you see this problem is. Jesus set us free, but not everything is good. Now, when God's Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, the Word of God is now written on our hearts, and we can know what is good. We can know what is wrong. And this is what he wants to do in our life. He wants to show us the right way. But you notice they got it all mixed. They used to go and have fellowship meals in the temple. Beautiful lamb. But then they'd go over to the church and they'd mix the two together. God says, I want to focus on what is right. I want you and I to work together that we may have a clear, righteous focus. So this is where it's don't mix the worship of things with the love of Christ. He rose from the grave and solved humanity's greatest problem, and he knows what he's doing. So let's go on and have a look. Now we come to the next part. Temptation is big in this passage because all the way through the wilderness, Satan was tempting them, and they were tempting Jesus. Are we going to do our own thing? And listen to what the Bible says. God is faithful, true. You know, you can bet your bottom dollar on him. God is right there. He's, he's trustworthy. He never lies. He's reliable in all of these things. He will not let you be tempted be beyond what you can bear. Every temptation that comes to you, it's either you submit to it and do your will in this, or you do what God wants to do. It's just as simple as that. And this is what he says, I won't let it get too powerful for you. I am the one who's in control. You notice in the Bible, all the time it says, Satan had to ask God before they could tempt Peter. They had to ask God before they could tempt Job. They had to ask God because they had to do anything. He's the boss. And this is where they have to submit to him. When you are tempted, God will provide a way out so that you can stand up underneath, under this temptation. There's a way out. See, that's his loving nature. He knows the temptation, and he knows how weak we are, and he provides adequate power, love, and persistence to actually accomplish his will. This is what he wants to do. Okay, let's go on and look at the next one. We're now going to read the Bible. And we've got a wonderful Bible reader here today, and this is Vic. He's going to actually... Read the next passage for us.
Spirit of God. Thank you. Check. Okay. Um, so the final uh, verse is up there on the on the screen. It's uh, one John two fifteen to seventeen. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man or woman who does the will of God lives forever. Thank you very much. We appreciate your effort. <laughs> okay, so we turn on to the next part where we have a look carefully at this. The next slide, please. Okay, this passage talks about the slaves to the body's desires. Does anyone have a hunger for cupcakes? <laughs> That's what I put up there. I'm not wrapped in cupcakes. Too, too much sugar in them for me. But this is where, this, are we a slave to our body's desire? God says, that's of the world. Don't listen to your body's desires. You listen to what God is planning for you. What's the next one? Okay, we turn that one on. Oh, we're all into the modern world of technology. This is the real latest one. I was in a village in Papua New Guinea and my friend Kipi walked in the front door. He walked in and he threw his mobile phone on the table and he says, this is the God of this age. This is what he said. He's a bushman out in the middle of the jungle. But he could see it happening in their village. Could you turn the next one on? Lust of the eyes, replacing God with things. Something out there that we can see. We all love beautiful things. But God says, that's not eternal. It's all going to crumble. Ants are going to eat it. Or it's going to be white ant eaten. Or it's going to die in the rain. Whatever it is. But let's look at the next one. The third one. These are the three areas. Boasting in our doing and speaking. God says, I'm the only one you should praise and honour. Not yourself. You're temporary. Whatever we do is maybe wonderful today. But tomorrow it may crumble. This is the great problems of all humanity. Slaves to the desires of our body, slaves to the lust of our eyes, and boasting about what we do and say. It's all in every one of us. I'm very sad, but that's us. And this is what God says. Hand over those areas into God's hand and let him reign in your life. Be not controlled by sin. Let's have a look at the last one up here. Whatever you eat and drink, do or say, do it all for the glory of God. That is the only person who is permanent in this world. That is the only one who's going to win the battle. He's the only one who's going to accomplish his goal. What does it say? Do all for the glory of God. God is worthy of all worship. To be quite honest, God is perfect, totally perfect in everything he does, and this is why we worship him. He deserves it. I don't deserve it because I'm not perfect. Okay, let's look at the last part of that. Follow the example of Christ. What did he do? In every day he lived as a human being on this earth, Jesus said, I always do what pleases God the Father. 
That's the goal. That's the pathway. So let's look, think about it. The next one, please. Revelation 3, verse 21. Jesus said, To the one who conquers temptations, I will give you a place with me on my throne. That's going to be a huge throne, isn't it? The biggest chair you've ever seen. Out in Winton, they've got a huge big chair in their town. And you'd put a hundred in that chair. But when we come to God's throne, man, it's going to be huge. We're all going to be there reigning with him. You see, down here, we are his servants. Up there, we are going to reign with him forever. So shall we bow our heads in prayer? Father, we're amazed at your love for us because we know how sinful we are, how we have defied you and tried to be king of our life. You know it. And we do. You are the only worthy king who is worthy of all honour and praise. Take our lives this day, just like the chaplains we've heard about, just those who are working in the youth group in this church, those who are working in the kids' zone, each one of them as they dedicate their lives to exalt you. And also, Father, use us in our family, in our work, in our place of sport or environment that we may love you and glorify you in everything we do.